On today's episode of Three Wide in the Middle, Keith and I discuss the F1 silly season, what's going on with the driver carousel, and of course, the Oscar Piastri and Daniel Ricciardo drama with Alpine and McLaren. Then we dive into the NASCAR world with Kevin Harvick getting his second win in a row last week at Richmond. What is Kimi Raikkonen going to look like at Watkins Glen? And Donnie Schott's incredible win at the Knoxville Nationals, plus a whole lot more, including an Ask Three Wide question, which involves the High Limit Sprint Car Series. So all of that is coming up next. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Three Wide in the Middle, your home for all things racing. My name is Thomas Brandon, and with me, of course, as always, my man Keith Bradley. Keith, how's it going? Yeah. Yep, I'm working overtime, so I work next six days. Damn, that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not looking too too thrilled about it, and or am I looking forward to it, because I should be off today. Yeah, I hear that. I uh I've been so busy these last few days. I you know, I was already busy beyond belief and then of course like, you know, my brother and I get this idea to start another business and so now I'm doing that. And keep in mind I was already starting another business on top of that, on top of my job that I have, my part-time job and my full-time business which is already successfully been running for the last couple of years so i mean i didn't have any room on my plate to begin with and like an idiot which I, I i always do this like i just take on way too much and i know i'm taking on too much and i know it's gonna stretch me super thin and i'm just like oh i'll figure it out and uh yeah so now i'm in that same exact situation that i've been in before and you know i was up this morning at like 2 a.m just thinking what the hell am I doing? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I feel your pain, man. It's, it, you know, when you got that much work, it's, uh, it just, yeah, it sucks. But fortunately, I think, the, I think the only thing it's looking forward to, it's my, my wallet after the end of it. Well, there you go. There you go. That is a good thing. You know, that is a good thing. That's the, that's the one scary thing for me. You know, I mean, I've got my one business, which is, which is good. And, successful and stuff like that and it's working now obviously i have to you know keep pushing it to to not only maintain it but grow it right because obviously something could change tomorrow and you know everything could go away but when starting the new stuff that's the thing man is there's no guarantee of of a return on that investment right like even though i'm not having to put up a bunch of money it's a the time investment and like that's the 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 thing about it you know and i learned these lessons over the last decade right because up until you know 2020 when i started my my current business uh my llc which has been successful since i started it but up until that every other thing that i had tried to do had 
you know, moments of success, but never sustained success. And the time investment of that is because you don't know whether or not you're ever going to get that back, you know, in, in a, you know, return on, on all that in, uh, time invested. It's, uh, yeah, it, it sucks when you don't, <laughs> it really does. But when you do, it, it's awesome. So, you know, I understand people who don't want to do their own business. Like I really get it. Um, cause had I, had I known going into this, like had somebody pulled me aside and said, Hey man, you're going to invest eight years of, you know, 14, 16 hours a day, six, seven days a week. And you're going to do that before you ever see sustained success and even when you get to sustained success you're still going to be putting in a lot of hours and a lot of time and it's going to be a while before you can finally start sitting back and like really reaping the benefit of that right you're going to get to 10 11 years invested before you do that i don't think i would have done <laughs> looking back on you know now to the point where it's like i've already done it all so i might as well but looking back on it you know back then if i buy the crystal bar i don't think i would have gone this route i probably went so probably would have went a different one so it's uh yeah it's uh it's it's scary but it also makes it a challenge so that makes it fun so yeah oh absolutely yeah so anyway speaking of which let's get to the racing because we do have a bunch of stuff to cover in today's show um we've got some nascar stuff uh coming up with watkins Glen. we had richmond last week um we've got some sprint car news obviously knoxville nationals which was an absolutely incredible weekend of racing um but first before we get to that we gotta cover the f1 silly season again we gotta just a few things um since last week's uh show now if you remember last week i spent you know 30 minutes covering the whole daniel ricardo oscar piastri situation um, now we were not just covering it in terms of what was going on, but me and Keith were looking at it from a different perspective of, you know, if somebody invests in you, do you, do you owe it back to them? Right. Even if there's not a contract there, should you, you know, stand by that and say, Hey, look, you guys have stuck with me. Now I'm going to stick with you type of deal. You know, that was kind of the way that we looked at it. Well, more news has come out. Apparently. Daniel Ricardo's team is asking for it looks like $21 million for a buyout. Um, Ricardo is the way that the contract that he is that he has right now with McLaren, for those of you who don't know, and this is from all the research that I've done and everything that I have seen. From everything that I have seen, is that Ricardo has what we would call in like the NBA. Um, and I don't mean that like I work in the NBA, but like if you talk about NBA contracts, we would call it a two and one, meaning that there's two years that are set. They're guaranteed. All right. Both parties, the driver and the team agree that, hey, these first two seasons, these two years, you will be our driver. And then you have the and one. And usually that's going to be some sort of an option whether it's going to be a driver option or a team option okay so the way that it would work is is if 
let's say it was a team option, right? And Ricardo's out getting podiums. He's got a maybe a victory or two, and he's running fifth or sixth in the points. McLaren's going to want to keep him. And so what they would do is they would exercise that option so they could keep Ricardo for the 2023 season, okay? Likewise, or on the, on the other side of that, if it was a driver option, Ricardo would have the the opportunity to determine whether or not he would drive for McLaren in 2023. Um, if he was doing really good and he liked what McLaren had, you know, what they're providing him, then he could exercise that option to stay. He could say, hey, things are going good. I want to stay. We're going to do it. Or on the flip side of that, if he finds himself in the situation he is right now where things have not gone well and he is struggling by his standards, he could exercise that option and say, hey, look, I'm going to stick around one more year because you guys are going to be paying me. I think his contract is for 18, 20 million, something like that. And so I'm going to stick around for one more season and, you know, that's I'm going to run for you guys, whether you like it or not, because I've got the option. I'm going to exercise that option. And so the way that it sounds is, is for him to be basically relieved of duty. Okay. Ricardo's team is asking for a buyout of $21 million for him to basically just go away, not run next season. And if they can get that, then Piastri will be in the McLaren. Everything that I'm seeing and hearing right now, the chances of Oscar Piastri running a McLaren next season, being on the, you know, full-time driver for McLaren next season, it's looking pretty strong. I would put it at about 85% chance. Um, I would actually, it's, it's much more likely than not. Um, just in the last week, it seems like there's really been some dominoes that have fallen and I don't want to get into the whole F1 CRB, which is their contract recognition board. There's a bunch of news out there that you guys can go really, if you really want to dive into contracts and stuff like that, but it's looking like Piastri is going to end up with McLaren. Uh, his his team of people and his agent is Mark Weber. If you know anything about Mark Weber when he was a driver, this is not somebody who's a pushover. It's a very strong-willed, you know, strong-headed individual. And it sounds like for all intents and purposes, they are going to be out. And like we talked about last week, I don't see a scenario now where Alpine would even want him in the car after everything that's happened. That's just going to be uncomfortable. Okay. It really is. Yes. There are situations that you can point to, you know, um, with drivers before who wanted out the team made them stay. And then they ended up going on to have incredible success and stuff like that. But not every situation is like that. And that was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. It's a, it's a different day now. And social media is so more, such more, more prevalent than it was before. Um, I don't see him staying with Alpine. Um, now, that being said, there has been some other interesting news that has come out about drivers. So 
Obviously, Daniel Ricardo, if he does get bought out, where could he end up? A lot of people are saying that he will end up with Alpine, that that would just be a natural fit. Because here's another thing is that McLaren is not only looking to buy out Ricardo's contract, they're also looking to give him what has been called a soft landing. So they're wanting to make sure that he actually gets another F1 seat. They don't just want to dump him. And I think that really speaks to Ricardo, the person, right? Not the driver. You know, people seem to just love this guy. And so they want to make sure that he actually gets another seat. Keep in mind, he's already ran for Alpine before. Alpine was Renault, okay? they That's what they were just a year ago, Renault. He ran for two seasons with Renault. He left Renault for McLaren. Will he go back there? Because it is a different you know, it is different management and, and the, you know, the board and all that stuff like that, the senior management, everything is different now. So would he go back there? I don't know. Would they want him back there? I don't know. It's hard to tell, right? Who, who knows what's going on, but that seems to be the, you know, the, the, the consensus in terms of where he's going to end up. But there are some other drivers that are potentially going to be on the move. Another one is Yuki Tsunoda. Yuki Tsunoda has not, for the time of recording this, has not been offered a extension yet or contract for his current team, which is the AlphaTauri team. Could he look to move somewhere else? If he does that, that would open up a seat at AlphaTauri, which is, keep in mind, the sister team to Red Bull. So that's kind of the junior team, the farm system to Red Bull. Yes, it is an F1 team, but that's a midfield team, and Red Bull will basically grab those drivers as they need it. Um, Pierre Gasly, who is with AlphaTauri, there has been rumblings that he might look to move because he has a clause in his contract that states he can leave after this season to a team that's better than his current team. Okay, so for example, if it was a team that finishes better in the points than AlphaTauri, Gasly could go to that team if he's offered a contract. One of those teams that's actually better right now than AlphaTauri is Alpine. So could he end up at Alpine if they have a seat that opens up because they don't maybe they don't get Ricardo after this whole Piastri deal? Who knows, right? Would he, Gasly exercise that? I don't know. I've heard two sides of this where it said he's looking to do that. I've also heard people say he's not going anywhere. Obviously, you know, the team principal at AlphaTauri, right? And, and the head guys of the whole Red Bull operation are saying he, we want him. He's not going anywhere. But at the end of the day, Alpine was saying the same thing about Piastri. And you can see that is an absolute catastrophe right now. So who knows? Okay. The other one is Zhou Guan Yu, who's with Alfa Romeo. Zhou Guan Yu one of the big things with him is that there was a lot of people who did not believe he should have ended up in F1 as quickly as he did, especially with Piastri, Oscar Piastri, um, not getting a seat. Uh, one of the reasons why Zhou Guan Yu ended up in F1 as quickly as he did is because he is Chinese. The Chinese market is huge, not just to F1, but to every sport in the world. This was an opportunity for them to put a talented driver because make no mistake, he is still talented um, in their car and open up that market, which potentially brings in money. And as we know, cash is king, not just in F1, in every form of racing. 
And lastly, we've got Mick Schumacher. Schumacher from everything that I have heard so far, it sounds like Haas wants to retain him, but from my understanding, nothing has been signed yet. So there is a chance that he himself could end up uh, on another team. So a lot of stuff still happening with the whole silly season. We could see an absolute, you know, chaotic mess in terms of, you know, just drivers moving to different teams and, and leaving their rides. Or we could see a lot of this just, you know, hold serve. And it's just someone like Piastri or something like that who moves. Right. So um, still a lot going on. Uh, obviously we've got, what is it? I think two more weeks of the summer break. If I'm remembering correctly, I think spa is, is it the 31st of August? Um, I got to check that real quick because, uh, bum, bum, bum. The 22nd, uh, 22nd, 26th to the 28th is uh, the Belgium Grand Prix. So, um, yeah, we still have this week and then the rest of next week before before then. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with all of that chaos um, with the drivers. It, Keith, it's I know you don't follow F1, but the whole F1 silly season, as they call it, um, and we talked about it a little bit with the NASCAR guys um, last week and, and the week before. It's literally becoming something akin to the NBA with free agency. Yeah, yep. That's what it reminds me of. It reminds me of a mix between like the NBA, the NFL, and a little bit of American stock car racing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and when you look at, you know, how much how much money these guys make uh it's it's a lot on the line and when you have uh you know these commodities as a driver um who can obviously earn you money right when you talk about someone like for example uh lewis hamilton right dudes won seven championships one, you know, basically dominated an entire decade with Mercedes. Every year that Mercedes wins that constructors championship, right? You're talking about a, a hundreds of millions of dollars that that team is getting. Okay. And these F1 teams are not like, you know, the NASCAR teams. Um, and we're, we're going to actually get more into the business side of the NASCAR teams uh, later in today's show, right? Where they, you know, the whole the whole thing about, you know, these race teams basically being like nonprofits, that's not the case anymore. These F1 teams generate a ton of profit. Um, even the ones that are poorly ran are still generating, you know, a big chunk of money. And when you can have a driver, right, that can help you generate that revenue, right? If you can have a Lewis Hamilton or, you know, a Lando Norris, a, uh, Charles Leclerc, right? These guys who are going to make 14, 15 million dollars a year in terms of US dollars, obviously when you look at it in pounds or euros, it's it's different, but it's all relative. And, you know, is a 15 million dollar a year investment worth it when that driver could potentially help you make 200 million? Well, yes, absolutely it is, right? So these drivers 
you know, getting them to your team and keeping them is just, it's so important. And when you look at the contract lengths, they're really short in F1. And that's one thing that's kind of shocking is even someone like Lewis Hamilton, right? Like that guy will sign an extension with Mercedes and it'll be for like two years, right? Like that you, I mean, Keith, we, we would not allow that to happen in American sports if we were able to, you know what no. I mean? Oh, cause usually when you, when you resign your superstars, it's four or five. Yeah. At maybe, least maybe to the upwards of seven years. Yeah. Especially when they're in their prime, right? Like think about Lewis yeah, Hamilton's 100%. just won his third or fourth championship in a row. He's 32 years old. And it's like, dude, let's lock you up till 40, right? Like we're let's keep you until 2026, right? Like that's what but we maybe, would do in America. Maybe that's their way doing these two year deals of if something goes wrong, you don't have that long. You're not stuck to it. Yes. Things glued to that person. It is. And I have heard that. Which makes sense. Yes. And I have heard that from people that are much more in the know than me where the shorter contracts um, are, there's a benefit for actually a lot of parties. Number one, as a driver, we know that there's only a handful of those teams that are really championship contender teams consistently, right? You've got Mercedes, Ferrari, Red Bull. Yes, in years past, you had, you know, McLaren, Hope they're hoping to get back there one day. Same thing with Renault or now Alpine, like years ago, right? They were a contender. They've fallen off a bit. But, you know, for the most part, you've always got these two or three teams that are the championship front runners. And so as a driver, if you're not with one of those teams, right? If you're racing for Alfa Romeo or Alpine or, you know, Haas, your goal right? Even though you want to do good for your team, your main objective is to be a world champion. And so you either want to a get your team to that level, which you can only do so much as a driver or B have the opportunity to get one of those coveted seats when the time comes. And so, yes, you don't want to lock yourself into four or five years, right? In one of those midfield teams. Um, you want to make sure that you've got flexibility and even the teams, right? You don't want to lock yourself into a driver because look at all these guys who are coming up, right? The talent is so crazy um, good in the F2, F3 world. And, you know, when you look at the fact that there's only 20 spots available in F1, right? Like you're taught, I mean, that is so, so small. When you think about all the race car drivers, you know, in the world, who have F1 aspirations. And then you think that it's, there's 20 spots. That is the most difficult seat to get difficult profession to be in. It's all right. It's more difficult than the NBA, you know, soccer, football, you know, European football, whatever you want to call it, NFL, major league baseball. There's nothing more difficult on a, on a, you know, percentage basis. You're talking about a fraction of a fraction of a percent. It's so small. So it does make sense that they do those shorter contracts like we were talking about. Um, and uh, it makes it more exciting, gives us something to talk about during the, during this time of year. So absolutely. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that here over the next 10 days um, heading into spot. But let's move on because we've got a bunch of stuff to cover. Um, on today's show in our next segment, which is going to be hit or miss. And we will do that right after the break. 
All right. So up next, we've got our hit or miss portion of the show. And as you know, Keith, this is literally one of my favorite, probably one of my favorite things that we do. Um, I love it. Yeah, I love it. And we've got, what do we got? We got six topics to cover today. And I have a feeling you're probably going to like the first one, which I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to get off to a strong start with it. So first up hit or miss after last week's win at Richmond and his second win in a row, Kevin Harvick has found his mojo at the perfect time and is now a top contender for the championship. Keith, does that hit or miss the mark? I'm going to say it hits the mark and I am too. Uh, all these guys in the playoffs or getting ready for the playoffs should be worried because the sleeping giant is awake and, and it, it's pretty hard to keep a champion down. You know what I mean? And, and I think what, what's really clicking for that four team, not only the momentum and the confidence now, when Rodney Childers finally decided to throw the old notebook away mm-hmm. and say, we need to focus on this car. I need to quit worrying about what we used to do. We need, we're in the now. Yes. And ever since then, man, that team has turned the corner. They have found some serious speed in that car. And if I'm Chase Elliott, I'm, I'm nervous just because I'm, yeah, I'm the championship favorite, but that old man Harvick back there, that's yeah, he's looking good. Bed, he's awake. Yeah. And he looks more determined and more fired up than he has all year. So yeah. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be very nervous if I was everybody else because he's awake now. He's yeah. here. Yeah, I think it definitely hits the mark. And, you know, I I think Harvick, you know, when you look at the number of championships that Harvick has, um, you know, he's got one championship. And to win a championship in NASCAR in the Cup Series, it's, it's so hard, right? You look at the, the the level of drivers who have been icons in the sport, Hall of Famers, right? And they don't have a championship. It's so difficult, right? You look at someone like Mark Martin, look, Mark, right? Yeah. You know, he's one of the greatest, greatest NASCAR drivers of all time, doesn't have a championship. It just so happened that, you know, when he had a couple of his best years of all time, there was just, you know, punk named Jeff Gordon racing or another one by the name of Jimmy Johnson, right? Like two of the greats. So it's very difficult. And to me, Harvick should have two. He should have one more. Um, That season that he had a couple years ago, he was dominant. He was by far the best car and best driver the whole year. Um, It didn't work out, obviously. And, you know, he didn't get the championship, which happens. But to me, he is, it's felt like he's, he's been on a mission to, to get that one that he missed out on. And um, like you said, they've come alive and, you know, Rodney Childress, uh, whatever it is that, that he's figured out with this car, it, he's figured it out at the perfect time because man, they have been really, and, really good. And if you look at like the past five races and I'm going to take out Andy road course, that don't count yeah, because you had a bunch out. of morons going yeah. five wide into turn one. Yeah. But if you look at the past five races, this four car, they've been carrying the four, not only the Stuart Haas banner, but the Ford banner. Yeah, they've, they've been, been strong. They've been running up front. And you know what it reminds me of this season with Harvick? 
when Tony Stewart won his last championship, where they the I was the literally going to say that the corner and Tony Stewart re they ramped it up, and, and this team, this four team, they know they know how to win a championship. They, they know do. how to get it done, and it is not. I would not want to back them into a corner. No, uh, uh-uh. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the championship this the the playoff this year. I really am. I think it's going to be one of the best ones we've seen in a while. It's shaping up to be that way. So yeah, yeah. I I think Harvick's I think Harvick's got to be one of the favorites. It, you know, obviously that final you know the whole goal is to just make the final four and put yourself into that and, position. And you know what this this second win it helps him because he can almost point his way into the second round. Yeah. It, that's that's a huge deal. He went, went from two weeks ago to being out to being completely locked in and a former champ being complete, completely out of it. Yeah. Yeah. He's, and, and, he's way up there in the standings now compared to where he was. And I think what makes this scarier and people can laugh, they can say what they want. This championship's like one of Kevin Harvick's strongest tracks. Mm hmm. I got the car figured out and Richmond's races a lot like Phoenix. So if he goes into the final four, I would be, I'd be nervous. Not going to yep. lie. I would be nervous if I'm the other teams. Yep. It's going to be, it's going to be fun, man. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, hopefully it plays out that good. Here. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I love it. I love it just because he's 47 years old and the whole persona is he'll never win again. Mm-hmm. Like Jimmy Johnson. Yep. He, he was kind of going down that same I'm not going to say same path because when Jimmy Johnson fell off, he fell off. Yeah. And Kevin Harvick plateaued at like, you can guarantee like at the end of the day, he'll be in the top five. He may not have winning space pace, but he'll be there. And now he's awake and I'd be scared. Yep. Absolutely. 100%. So yeah, it's going to be fun. All right. Next one. The ice man is coming. Kimi Raikkonen will score a top 10 finish in his cup race this weekend at Watkins Glen. Does this hit the mark or miss the mark? Ooh, this could go both ways, but I'm going to have to say it'll miss the mark. Uh, I think it'll miss the mark, too. I, I want it to hit the mark. Nothing would make I, me I happier than to see Kimi. Yeah, I would, nothing would make me happier to see, than to see Kimi have a, this, have a phenomenal run what his first nascar start since dude well long yeah and even then i don't think he ever ran a cup car i think he ran a truck and an xfinity Xfinity car yeah at an oval we're going to a road course where we're in a new car he's obviously better suited but yeah 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 but you you can lean on each other in these cars Mm -hmm. a lot more and that's something he's not used to i think the first time he gets door slammed it might be game over yeah just because that that, that's out of his comfort zone in his road course racing i'm going to say with formula one you don't touch no you don't at all and i feel like the first time he gets door slammed the the wind will be out of the sails and or he might crash i don't know yeah i don't think anybody knows now there is this chance that it could fall right in his lap because Chevrolet has been doing a lot for Kimmy mm-hmm. as far as testing, simulator data, going to the simulator. Now, nah, the good thing is on Kimmy's side, these freaking track house cars, like, man, they've been missiles. They've been they've fast. They've been fast. They've absolutely been fast. They've you been know? strong on road courses. Mm-hmm. So They have. 
but I'm gonna have to say it, it misses the mark, man. Yeah. I, I just I think it's gonna miss the mark too. I, yeah. When you look at the fact that obviously it's his first ever cup race, yes, there's no doubting the man's talent. He's incredibly talented. I don't care who you are. If you win a championship in Formula One, you and when if if you might not be a good oval racer, but hands down, you're one of the you're one of the greats when it comes to circuit racing because we just talked about how hard it is to, to even make that level, let alone win. Um, you know, so he the, the man can obviously drive. I just it's just with the way right now going into Watkins Glen with the the uh just just the, the ramping up, right? Everything's coming down to the wire. We've got Watkins Glen and Daytona, right? You've got guys who got to get a win to get into the playoffs. You've got drivers who are on literally the bubble, right? And you've also got guys coming in, right? You got AJ Allmendinger, right? I mean, you can make the case that AJ Allmendinger yeah. is the best road course racer 100%. in all of NASCAR, right? Like you've got some stud drivers, who are not only, you know, cup series regulars, but guys who come and run these road course races. So for him to get a top 10, it, there's going to need to be some things that fall his way. Um, especially when you look at the testing restrictions and stuff like that, that are put on teams, right? Like I was looking into this today before we started the show and, you know, he can't test with the team that he's racing for at you know, an axe car sanctioned track. He's had to be testing in these other cars, which is not the actual Chevy version of the, you know, it's just all these little things where, you know, it, yes, it's seat time and stuff like that, but it's not what he's different. actually doing. Yeah, it's different. And so it makes it really hard, even as and, good as he is. It's very hard to overcome that when you've got, you know, one practice, you know, out of the weekend. Right. Right. And, and I think, I think Joey Hand, me personally, Joey Hand from Rick Ware will have a better weekend than Kimmy. And, and I, I could think see Corey, that. And I think Corey LaJoy said it perfect on his podcast yesterday. He was like, dude, if it comes down to me, and he goes, and I'm a terrible road racer, but if it comes down to me or Kimmy finished in the top 10, he goes, I'm moving Kimmy just because I can go to Daytona and I have to worry about seeing him in the bus a lot. Yes. Mm -hmm. He's like, he's just. Because I feel like he could run good, but I think he's going to get bullied, and then he he's not going to know exactly what to do because that that it's not his type of racing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we'll see what happens. I'm excited to watch it though. Yeah, me too. All right, so keeping up with Watkins Glen, our next uh, hit or miss is the bookmakers got it right by making chase Elliott, the odds on favorite to win this weekend at Watkins Glen. Does that hit or miss the mark? I'm going to say it misses the mark. And I think Tyler Reddick's going to agree with me. Uh, I could agree with that. You know, they've got chase Elliott as a five to one favorite to win this race. And, um, I, I I kind of think that's insane. No, obviously, I understand the odds makers have to give somebody the odds. They got to make somebody the favorite, um, you know. But I I'm with you. I could see Tyler Reddick. Now, keep in mind, Tyler Reddick is at six to one. Kyle Larson's eight to one, and Chastain is nine to one. And I think who's the other one? Cindric or Suarez? Cindric is ten to one. So those are kind of your your favorites right there. Um, but I'm with you. I I think 
Tyler Reddick and, you know, Chase Elliott, obviously the kid can drive anything, you know, any track he's good on any track. I mean, we've seen him win these, these road circuits, whether it's a Roval or something like we've seen him win these before. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I don't think I'm not seeing him get the win this weekend at Watkins Glen. No. And that's no takeaway from him, but damn, no. Tyler Reddick, I'd be more comfortable betting on Tyler Reddick right now at a road course than I would be Chase Elliott just because that eight car's been freaking fast. It has. It has. And he's been a big, obviously a big part of that. Um, he's been, you know, key but in that. We could see a big surprise this weekend, too, because Watkins Glen is different from all the other road courses that we went to. I mean, it's a hell of a lot faster. So, Well, it is, and this configuration that they run is very different. You know, this isn't the old, the old boot. You know what I mean? Like, this is, you know, they call it the cup circuit, and it's, you know, you've got basically the bus stop, and then you've got a big sweeping turn, and... Then you're shooting down another long straightaway and, you know, another couple left, you know, a quick left-hander and then a right-hander, you're back on the front stretch. I mean, it's, it's a very fast track. Um, to me, it's, it's the best road course that NASCAR goes to, whether it's this configuration or the boot. I actually really liked, like the boot version of it. I wish they had just kept that, but I see the, the reasoning for the whole cup circuit, you know, layout with it. Um, but I, it, it's my favorite of the road courses. I really I like feel. it, you know, and yeah, I, I get, I like Coda, you know what I mean? I grew up going to races at Sears point or Sonoma. Um, and I'll be the first one to tell you, I've never thought Sonoma was a good track for the cup cars. I just never have. I, to me, no, Sonoma is really not, yeah, it's an Indy car track. You know what I mean? It's a and, GT three track. It's not a cup car track. It puts on some decent races. I think yeah. it's a little more technical than all the other ones that we go mm-hmm. to or that they go to. Not we. I wish I yeah. went. Yeah. But Watkins Glen, man, I I've not seen a bad race there. Yeah. I think that, I think it's it's really really good. So now look at, look at the exciting one that they had in 2006, where Kevin Harvick didn't get a full tank of fuel. Yeah. When nobody <laughs> knew what was going to happen in the last what was it, 40 laps. Yeah, that that was uh yeah, it's had it's had some really good um racing there. It it really, really has. has. Even when they were in the previous generation cars and those cars weren't racing good anywhere else, you know what I mean? Like it was it was doing you know, Watkins Glen was always a a uh, a good show. So yeah, it's gonna be a fun weekend. I'm looking forward to it. Obviously we talked about Kimmy, but I I think I'm thinking Rock. Ross is going to obviously be someone to, to look at. Um, he's always fast hopefully, everywhere. Hopefully you don't put that bus stop. Ross, you got to take a right. When yeah, you get to the bus exactly. Stop. Yeah. You got to go through there. You can't just blow right through the cones. <laughs> um, but even his teammate, Daniel Suarez, obviously he's good on the road stuff and he's been fast this season. Um, you know, Tyler Reddick, as you talked about Ryan Blaney's another one, you know what I mean? Ryan Blaney, He's in the playoffs right now, but man, he would love to lock himself in with the win before Daytona. So I think we're going to see some playoff implications Sunday. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's some guys who would really like to get this locked up before Daytona because obviously Daytona is a straight crapshoot. You know, it's just that kind of racing, especially when you've got, you know, the last opportunity to get into the playoffs, it's going to be madness. So 
So, yeah, there's going to be some big, big playoff implications this weekend at Watkins Glen. All right, next. This is a good one. Donnie Schatz's incredible win at the Knoxville Nationals gives him 11 for his career, and that's 11 Knoxville Nationals wins, career you know, championship wins for his career. Before he retires, Donnie Schatz will beat Steve Kinzer's record of 12 Knoxville Nationals wins. Keith, does this hit or miss the mark? Oh. Hmm. That's a tough one. I'm going to say it hits the mark. I really am. Because Donnie Schatz and Kevin Harvick's out here defying the odds of the old guys. They're showing everybody that the old guys can still get it done. And they can. You know, Steve Kinzer raced until he was really old. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, Steve Kinzer, Mark Martin, Sammy Swindell, he probably mm -hmm. should hang it up, but he's still running. So, yeah. But with Donnie Schatz, when that big spotlight gets turned on, he shows up. Yeah. He, uh, I think he's got a really good shot at doing it. I do too. Would not um, be surprised. It would not surprise me to see him get two more Knoxville Nationals wins, which is what he would need to to beat Kenzer. He's at eleven right now. One more um, would tie him, and then you know two more would give him the record. Uh, you know, obviously, you're talking about how many more years will he run? Um, obviously, for him to have 11 Knoxville Nationals wins, he does good at Knoxville. I mean, when you're talking about the best of the best showing up and then you've won that 11 times, um, obviously, you're good at that track. One of the reasons why I think he can run good there for an extended period of time, even another five, six, seven times, is because of the way that that track races. If you When you watch that race, at the start of the race, he was going backwards. I mean, he was going backwards. He was getting passed. I was like, damn, Shots is going to have a horrible run tonight. You know what I mean? Like the first half of the race, he was just not very good. But obviously that was intentional because the second half of the race, he was incredible. And he just started picking people off and doing what he does best, right? I mean, he's just running that bottom, being smooth. And at the end of the race, I, you know, he, obviously he was the best one out there. And he just showed how good he can be. Um, I saw this firsthand last year at the World Finals, you know, where he comes from the back and finished like fifth and just literally was passing people like they were upside down and in reverse. It was absolutely incredible to just watch him pick cars off like that lap after lap after lap. So I can see him doing it. You know, obviously, when you've only got one shot a year and you've only got, you know, how, depending on how many more chances he runs, I would say he's got another five or six legitimate shots at doing it. Um, you know, I I could see him doing it. It's going to be tough. going to be tough. He's going to need to do it at about a 33% rate, but I could see him doing it. So I'm with you, man. It would not shock me to see him, um, you know, win two more of these because he's actually, you know, he kind of hit a lull there and he seems to have kind of found something these last, this last month, month and a half. And, uh, he's been putting it together. So hopefully it carries, carries through and we can see more, more, uh, 
more victory lanes with Donnie shots in it because that was, that was cool to see last weekend. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I agree. All right. Next one. Last Sunday's NASCAR race at Richmond was one of the best races we've seen at Richmond in a very long time. Does that hit or miss the mark? Okay. I'm going to say it hits the mark. I am Just too. Because you you have the strategy coming into play. The track really widened out. And man, Richmond got stale for a little bit. It did why don't know what caused it because it used to be considered the excitement track yeah for short tracks that was one of the best ones yeah well if you put it up against martinsville it's way better martinsville Mm -hmm. and and like Corey lajoy was saying on his playlist or podcast as the tire started to wear you couldn't get the car down to full throttle or you would just smoke the tires from one end of the track to the other. Yes. And that's awesome. I mean, when was the last time we've had cars that were doing that? You know what I mean? Uh, Early 2000s. Yeah. When they were 900 horsepower. Right. So it was, I really liked it. Um, I, and here's the thing for those people out there who have complained about it, who have said, who have said like they didn't think the racing was that good. You know, those people, when you're talking about just side by side action, passing, swapping places, like I get it. It, Yeah, Yeah. I get it. It it, it doesn't fit that bill, but for someone like myself who loves the strategy aspect of it and seeing people do different strategies, whether it's their tires or their pitch strategy or whatever it is, I thought it was really a really good race. And to see people on the different strategies on different tires, you had people who were on older tires versus newer tires and who could do what? I mean, Christopher Bell was coming at the end of that race. Couple more laps, couple more laps. Yeah. If that was the Richmond 402, right? Christopher Bell would have been the winner probably. So, you know, I thought it was really cool and interesting. And I'm someone who likes that aspect of NASCAR. I like the strategy stuff. So I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good race and it wasn't something that was, you know, overshadowed by a bunch of, I mean, obviously it's a short track, they're shifting and stuff, but it wasn't like, you know, a Martinsville epidemic. So yeah, I liked it. I thought it was a good one. Now I still Um, think they should only race there once a year. I I do think that I would like to see more of that, but overall I was happy with it. I would love for them to take their first date, give it to road America. I, I would be okay with that. Or 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 give it to a track that's off the schedule that probably could be on the schedule, like a Kentucky Speedway or a Chicagoland. North Wilkesboro. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, before we go to the next subject, I'm gonna hit on this real quick. Did you hear Kevin Harvick's interview? No, After I did not hear it. So towards the end of the race, he was like, I made a couple mistakes. I, I forgot to shift. He was running around there in fourth gear. <laughs> <laughs> so now, now it's kind of like all right well if you were shifting if you was forgetting to shift maybe that's why christopher bell closed in so fast but it could be who knows we'll never know it could be i know that the shifting was very prevalent there and it's a big deal yeah, the way that they've was. got those things geared yeah well and it was like denny hamlin was saying you could make a mistake in the center of the corner downshift real quick and take off yeah 
yeah, there's the 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 margin of error is so much wider than it was before because of all the shifting. Yeah. yeah. That is one thing I don't like about it. And I do think next season they'll have that fixed. I don't I think, think it's going to be a problem. Yeah. Um, would they just got to rework these gears when it comes to the transaxles? Because, you know, we talked about this before, you know, the gears that are in these transaxles, you know, it was meant for a car with high downforce and 550 horsepower. Now they're at 670 horsepower and low downforce. That's a completely, you're talking about a completely different package in terms of gear ratios and stuff like that. So, so yeah, I think they'll have it fixed next year and I think it'll be much better. Um, but that, with that being said, I would still like to see them only go to that track once, you know, like, like we talked about before, there's only a couple of tracks. I think they should go to twice a year. Other than that, every other, you know, I would like to see them just go to it once. I think that would be much better. I I agree. Yeah. All right. Our sixth and final topic here in hit or miss. We're going to talk about the business side of NASCAR. Because this this was pretty shocking when I heard this. Um, and when I first heard this, I was I didn't actually believe it. I actually had to do some research on it to confirm this. But it it's it's out there. Uh, rumor has it is that NASCAR charters are now worth in the area of twenty million dollars a piece. This is a great thing for the NASCAR owners and the sport itself. Keith, does this hit or miss the mark? Oh man. I'm gonna have to say it misses the mark. Really? Just, just because like if you're if you're Dale Jr., you're talking about coming to Cup. Now you're gonna have to spend twenty million just for a charter. I wouldn't I don't know how to even put it now. I wouldn't wanna spend the upfront. Of the twenty million, if that makes any sense. So, like, if I'm Dale Jr., I think I'm going to Richard Childress, like, hey, let me buy you out. Let me take over the team. But, but hindsight, I think it's great for the sport of NASCAR because, I mean, if you are a Rick Ware or a smaller team that has a charter, yes, at least you know that you could sell it sell the char charter and make some money off of it yes well and that's the thing see i think it hits the mark and the reason i think it hits the mark is is it provides some form of tangible value to yeah. the team and i agree with that yes i 100 percent agree with that. you know before if your team was going to be going out of business what was the team what was the team worth what whatever the parts right, right. whatever parts you have your shop most of the shops you know most of those teams well, they lease their shops right they don't even well, own them and let's face it with this new car if like Stuart haas goes out of business tomorrow mm -hmm. it ain't like they can just sell that car to to xfinity teams or arca teams yes exactly so they're gonna lose their ass anyway yep because of the new car yeah so no i i like it I I'm 50, think, 50 on it. yeah, just, I think the, I think what we're going to see in NASCAR, and I actually believe this is a good thing is I think we're going to see these NASCAR teams become more like sports franchises. I really do. Yep. And that charter is going to be the equivalent of owning. Obviously it'll never be as valuable, but I'm just using it as an example of owning the Dallas Cowboys, right? Where you yeah. 
you have no problem paying that 20 million because you know it's going to go up because there's only 36 of these or 40 of them or whatever that number is. And you know that it's going to be going up because if you want to get into NASCAR, then you're going to have and do it consistently. Then you've got to have that charter. You've got to foot that bill. Now, the the issue that comes up, and this is where I get where teams would not want to make that investment right now is going forward, right? There's still no definitive um, direction in terms of what's the split going to be when it comes to the new television deal, what that new television deal is even going to be. We already know that the the model that NASCAR is currently using when it comes to sponsorship dollars, we already know that that needs to be reworked because the, you're seeing the, the amount of sponsors that you need just to get through a season in NASCAR now has grown exponentially, right? Like we've talked oh, about yeah. this before. The days of seeing, right, the Pepsi car or the Napa car are are gone. It just doesn't exist, right? Now these these guys have got 15 different paint schemes that they're running because they they've got to have 15 different primary sponsors to foot the bill for the season. They you know you just right. can't have that one and, that one sponsor no more. And there's only one to two drivers in the field that have one sponsor. Yes. And a lot of that is carryover from them they've been with them for so long. Yeah, well, and when we look at it, look at Kevin Harvick, one of the most, one of the biggest names in the sport. Mm-hmm. He's got three or four primary sponsors. Kyle yeah. Busch, same thing. Mm-hmm. Now, hindsight, when I say there's a couple drivers that only have one, and it's the Rick Ware guys. They they have one sponsor. But, I, I feel the same way you, you feel. I yeah. think it's going to turn into these teams are going to be like. NFL sports franchises. Yep. They're going to get X amount of dollars out of the TV deal mm-hmm. just to, just to help because let's face it, trying to find sponsorship for a millions of millions of dollars for a race car damn near over. Yes, it is. But, and I think that, but see, I also think that that is a good thing in terms of redistributing the money that comes in through the TV deals because live sports, whether it's NASCAR or freaking ping pong, it does not matter. Live sports is the only game in town when it comes to appointment viewing. It's the only thing that's left. People don't sit down and go, Oh, my show comes on Wednesdays at 6 PM. Those days are gone. If you want somebody somewhere, right? Unless it is a live sporting event, their appointment viewing is dead. And that's the one thing that, that live sports has in even well, NASCAR, which is a part of that. And, and, and here's the, here's the problem. Every other sport that, that team gets a percentage of the TV deal. Yes. Except for NASCAR. Yep. I think, I think the only people that get the money from the TV deals, NASCAR itself and these tracks and the tracks ain't doing shit with the money. No, which is a good, which is one of the reasons why I was happy to hear that, that the, that they were changing their split as well, because they can't, they can't keep doing what they've been doing with those tracks. And, and, you know, and, and it, it helps the guys like Denny Hamlin's of the world. That's trying to, all right, I want my own pit crews for my teams. Well, if I get some of this TV deal, that'll help pay for it. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and I think now, I mean, I'm sorry, but NASCAR needs to come up off some of this damn money. 
mm-hmm. help these teams around him. Yeah, granted, Denny Hamlin's a superstar. He's got millions, maybe even hundreds of millions, and, and Michael Jordan, but it shouldn't be that way. Yes, you know? absolutely. You're right. No, you're the the ability for a team like, you know, a Rick Ware or, or one of these lower budget teams, right? The ability for a team to get stuff together, come out and race, and then potentially, if they can show promise, get a charter, right? That opportunity should still be there. It should not be that, and, hey, you've got to have Jeff Bezos as a car owner, right? Otherwise, right. you're not going to be able to run. Well, and and I think my only issue with the charter and Rick Ware is they've been around for I don't know how long now, but they have a strong alliance with Stuart Haas. It don't seem like it's working at all. I, I think no. there, I think there's got to be like I I don't know maybe a cutoff. I know if you finish in a certain point standings on the owners that they take your charter and they can sell it. I I feel like they need to do that more because there's teams that want to come to Cup. They just can't because there's no charters available, yeah. and it's either either you get in or you get out. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I'm 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 actually okay with that. But um, I'm okay depending with on how they do. Here. No, I mean, yeah, they got, a, they got a right to be here too. Yeah, but I'm but see, I'm also okay with relegation, right? Like if they implemented a form of relegation, like you see in you know soccer right? European football, when you talk about like the premier leagues or, you know, these, these top leagues where they've got relegation where it's like, Hey, look, man, if you're at the bottom, then you go down a division, right? You got to earn your way back up. Like I'm okay with that. Um, if you've got somebody right, who's holding, you know, essentially a prized commodity, that's extremely valuable. Now, I'm not saying you take it from them, right? Like you just, you know, it's a, this isn't the government claiming imminent domain. I don't say you just, Hey, come in, we're going to snatch your charters away from you and you're shit out of luck. That's not what I'm saying. But you know, if they can't, you know, improve, if they can't cut it, I, I could see where it's like, Hey, look, man, you've had three years of being at the bottom of the barrel. We are going to be taking your charters and selling them. You will get the value for them, but we are opening those charters up for other teams to potentially get them. Yeah. You can still run, and, but you've got to take the open spots. And and maybe, I mean, let's face it, when the TV deal happens, everybody's going to benefit from it. Every team. Yes. Some yes. way, somehow, it's going to benefit. Maybe that'll help them. I mean, granted, I don't think they'll get a Stuart Haas amount of the TV deal or, mm-hmm. or Joe Gibbs Racing, but being a smaller team... They have a car that's fully funded. Yes. It should technically help them. Should. Well, I mean, there's a lot of key words in there, but I don't know. Only time will tell. Yes, it will. So, yeah, I'm with you. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with that stuff moving forward. Um, obviously, the TV deal is going to be a huge, huge factor in that. But, yeah, um, I, I, I do like where things are at right now with that with that system i think our sport or the sport of nascar is heading in a better direction than what it was four years ago absolutely 100 percent. i could not agree more yeah absolutely all right so that's going to do it all for hit or miss and before we wrap up today's show we got a couple more things that we got to cover um, first up, before we get to our ask three wide segment of the show, 
We've got to do our GOAT of the week, which is our greatest of all time for the week. Obviously, it's kind of hard to be the greatest of all time for just one week, but that's the way we do it here on Three Wide in the Middle. So, Keith, who was your GOAT of the week? I think I know. Oh, so my GOAT of the week, I got I to gotta go with Kevin Harvick. I knew it. Just because of they when they won at Michigan, everybody's like, all right, yeah, that's cool. You won at Michigan. Like kind of like how Dale Jr. broke his big winless streak at Michigan, then just yeah. fell right off again. But they turned around and they went to Richmond, started off, eh, about the end of the stage two, I think it was. They started really coming to the front. It, it turned into an old Kevin Harvick kind of race. And uh, I mean, why why wouldn't why wouldn't I pick Kevin Harvick? Exactly, he is one of my favorite racers. So. Exactly. No, that's a good one. I like that one. Um, to be honest, that was he made my he made my final my final two for my goat of the week. Uh, to me, there was only two choices this week. It was either Kevin Harvick or my choice, and that's Donnie Shots. Not uh, surprised. Yeah. But to come out when you're 11th Knoxville Nationals to do it at you know what what is he 45 years old um, is incredible you know he's in my opinion he is the second greatest sprint car driver of all time there are people out there who will make the case that he is the goat you know there is a strong argument to be made that shots his race against stiffer competition you know I. I tend to argue against that, but I'll, I'll hear it. I'll, you know, I'll listen to it regardless to me. He is hands down one of the greatest sprint car drivers of all time. And, you know, the last couple of seasons we've seen his win totals dwindle. He has not been winning as much as he was obviously when he was winning those 10 championships and he's had a really good season this season and to come out and win the Knoxville Nationals the way that he did, like I said, had a slow start to the feature, and then to come back and just be picking people off and just look like vintage Donnie shots out there, it was it was incredible. So my go to the week goes to the man in the 15 car, Donnie shots. So yeah, that was that was an awesome run by him. Good one too. Yeah, it was. This- this week's of this past weekend of racing was just the weekend of the old guys. It really was, man. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot. And of fun. they just so happened to both be Tony Stewart's guys. Exactly. <laughs> which is, which is awesome. So that makes it even better. Mm-hmm. It does. All right. Well, to wrap up today's show, we are going to do it with our ask three wide segment of the show um if you want to email us any questions ask me and keep the question it could be about really anything it doesn't matter you can do so at ask three wide at gmail.com that's ask the number three wide at gmail.com and this week's question is from kevin and he says this tommy and keith after the high limit sprint car series race at lincoln how do you think next season's high limit season will go with their 12 races? Thank you. Love the show. So basically he's just asking us, how do we think that series is going to be next season? Um, what I know of it so far, 
And I watched that race that they ran at Lincoln. It was an awesome race. I thought Justin Sanders was going to get the win and then freaking Buddy Kofoid just out of nowhere. Um, that dude, he's another one. When he is on, he is on, man. He's so good. But, you know, Buddy Kofoid got the win. Um, from my understanding, those races are supposed to pay. There's, I believe, going to be 12 on the schedule next year, this race at Lincoln is just was kind of like a, a trial, try it out, you know, type of thing. And there was, or there's supposed to be a payout. I believe it's going to be 23,000 and change. It's like 23,200 or something like that to win. And it'll be 1500 I want to say 1500 to start um for each for 10 out of the 12 events and then the other two are supposed to be like 50,000 to win. Um I have not seen the tr the tracks and the full schedule from my understanding they need to go back to Lincoln Park. Yeah, from my understanding they're supposed to be, you know, playing nice with the outlaws. It's not supposed to be conflicting and stuff like that. It sounds similar to what um, the extreme outlaws have done with USAC, where it's like, hey, look, we're not trying to step on your toes. We're not trying to conflict with your events and stuff like that. So I don't know what high limit, you know, I don't know what Larson and Sweet have got planned. Um, it, it doesn't seem like something that they're trying to create to, to replace it, the outlaws. It just seems like in addition to. It's and I over. think it's going to go well. And I feel the same way. I think it's going to do really well. And I think it's going to be a lot like the racing night in America with the late models. We, yes. We start races. That way, everybody and everybody can go mm -hmm. and have a shot at winning some big time money. And this is what sprint car racing needs, whether you like it or you don't. Mm -hmm. Sprint car racing as a whole needs races like these, needs these big money races. Because yes. let's face it, they're, there's, they're out there, but they're not as prevalent as they are in the late model world. I mean, look at Jonathan Davenport. Mm -hmm. Holy shit, the man's made a million or more just in just this year with wins. And, yep. and I feel like sprint car racing needs to be at that level too. Yeah, they do. They have wing big, or yeah. Wing. yeah, they have big ones. Obviously, we just had the Knoxville Nationals, Kings Royal a few weeks ago. I mean, obviously, they've got their crown jewels that are, that are big time money you know, gold cup out here. Um, you know, it's another 50 K like it's, you know, they've got their big ones, but when you look at the late models and you look at the number They're of hundred, hundred K and up, it's insane. Um, but and late model racing, you know, it's, it's far more, um, secluded than sprint cars, right? There's much more sprint car racing spread across the country than there is late model racing. There really is. It's like you could you could go run up north, mm -hmm. run for twenty grand, turn around and drive a hundred miles south and go run for fifty thousand. Yep. And and I think I think what Kyle and Brad Sweet's doing is great. It's great for the sport. I do too. Because where else can you go and run during the week and make the money that they're gonna pay out? Or it's unbelievable. And yeah. and I don't think they're doing it to put world racing group under i mean no uh-uh they're not it'll be very hard to do that yeah and make no mistake brad sweet is able to do what he's doing because of world racing group 
Like, let's just be honest here. He's he's not dumb. Yeah, right? You're not no. going to bite the hand that feeds you. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think this is going to be something that is in addition to. I think what we're going to see with dirt track racing and, and kind of racing as a whole, um, obviously you'll have your top stuff like NASCAR and F1 where those guys, that's what they do. But, you know, when you look at sprint cars or late models, that type of thing, I think we're going to start seeing it be like you see when it comes to what we call soccer or European football, where you've got these bigger leagues, but then you've also got these leagues that are off the sides of it, right? Whether they're champions or concat, like all these other things. And there's always something going on where you could be playing for multiple teams, right? As a top player, you can play for multiple teams at the same time, right? So with racing, you can be running the outlaw schedule and still be running the high limit and the all-stars to just for extra money. And just because you love racing. And you can look at it as, okay, the outlaws is the cup series. And these other are the Xfinity, the trucks, the Arca, yada, 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 so on and so forth. I just think after all the shit Kyle Larson's been through Mm -hmm. and, and I think this is his way of helping. This is his way of helping put sprint car racing back on the map where it needs to be. Yes. And the race the other night was damn good. Mm-hmm. So they need to come back to Putnamville. Outlaws, yep. come come to Indiana. I told you, my state's great. Yes, it is. Hot as fuck during the summer, <laughs> but <laughs> you can work through it, I promise. Yes, it is. It is. So, so yeah, that's that's what we think there. My man, thank you very much for the email. I'm, I think it's going to be a success. Um, it, I, I think you're going to see, you know, with it only being 12 you know, events, I think you're going to see good car counts when they do it. Yeah. You know, it'll 100%. be like the extreme outlaws where you're going to see 40, 50 cars showing up, especially when you're putting out, you know, 23,000 to win and 1500 just to start. Like that's, that's, that's the, really important the for, 15, for those types of guys. The 1500 to start alone is huge. Yeah. That's a big deal. Huge. That's Hell, a big it's only deal. a thousand to start with the outlaws. Yeah, that's a big deal. So, you know, when you consider the fact that you could actually, right, if you're willing to put in the drive time and the hours, you can make just as much money running a national modified tour in a car that's way less than a sprint car, right? Um, if you're willing to, obviously, you got, like I said, you got to be willing to to, to run the races and, and, and drive the miles. But you could legitimately do that because there's just so much more of them. Yes, the 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 money is not as you're not going to have a hundred and seventy five thousand dollar Knoxville Nationals to win event, but there the amount of money that's out there you know in total is a lot. And when we look at something like we talk about with the late models, right? Uh, you know the Lucas Oil late models, the World of Outlaw late models, like they do they have a hundred thousand to win events? It seems like once a month. You know what I mean? Like it's just like yeah. all the time. So yeah. I think it's really good what Larson and Sweet are doing. I, I I think it's awesome. And it's like he said, it's what sprint car racing needs. You know, the, the, the world racing group did it with the extreme outlaws, getting some bigger money events for the midgets and the, the non-wing sprints, which is exactly what they need. And Larson sweet are doing it with the wing sprints. So yeah, I think it's going to go over great. I think so too. And yeah. uh, that was a really good question. Thank yeah. you. Yes, it was. So you guys want to email us and ask us a question? You can do so, like I said, at ask the number three wide at gmail.com. That's all one, no spacing, no nothing like that. 
But you guys, that is going to do it all for this week's show. Um, you guys, before we go, thank you very much as always for joining us. Please keep sharing, liking all that good stuff that you guys do. Um, if you want to head over to Spotify or Apple podcasts, leave us a rating and review. That would also be awesome if you want to do that. So, um, don't forget to check out our YouTube channel as well. The Astri wide YouTube channel. Um, we'll have a new video going up by the time you listen to this, there should be a new video up, um, on the channel with that. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get more put up right now. I'm, I'm editing all the stuff, um, editing the clips and, and getting the stuff up there. Uh, well, it, it's, it's taking me way longer than I thought it would just trying to piece all this stuff together. I had a bunch of videos that I was trying to make before I had my camera rolling where I would, you know, put up pictures or other B-roll film and stuff like that. And finding some of that stuff was just incredibly hard. And then a lot of it was older and trying to get it to format into the new, it was just a pain. So, um, we got more stuff coming. Anyways, you guys, that's going to do it. Thank you very much as always for joining us. Keith, my man, have a good weekend. Hope you get some rest and don't work too hard. Yeah. Uh, fortunately I got an office job and I sit and watch paint dry. There you go. Uh, it'll be fun. Uh, <laughs> and you have a good weekend too. Everybody uh, well, that listens. Thank you. Yep. Yep. Everybody out there, have a good weekend. Enjoy the racing and uh, try to stay cool. And until next week, as always, take care.